0: Good morning. Good morning. Our scripture reading will be from Proverbs chapter 6. We'll be reading verses 12 through 19. It's 12 through 19, Proverbs chapter 6. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. He winketh his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth div- mischief continually. He soweth discord, therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven, are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren." You know, there used to be a time in general when people, even those involved in evil activity, were ashamed of those activities, or at least decent people knowing about it. Not anymore. Or at least among the elite crowds, the more vile, the more wicked, uh, sinful a person can be and live, the more praised, that they become in society. All you have to do is turn on the news. All you have to do is look at the cover of a magazine or one of those rags that you see in the aisle on the checkout, and then you see how true that is. I just noticed in the news a couple of days ago, in Newark, New Jersey, they have created a massive 700-pound brass or bronze statue of George Floyd. It was unveiled... And it's going to sit at the city hall in recognition of the greatness that he has done and provided to the world. Now, you know who George Floyd is. Criminal, drug addict. As far as I know, never contributed anything good to society. Now, I don't agree with a lot of the things that happened in his arrest But he was fighting against the police and because he was fighting against the police and because he was so drugged up with fentanyl and other drugs in his system, he had a heart attack. Now, I don't appreciate that he had a heart attack and I wish that hadn't happened. But is he deserving of a 700-pound bronze statue? That's recognizing, recognizing him for what? What about this? Kellogg's cereal. They are supporting the militant homosexual movement. I don't know if y'all have heard about this or not. But they're putting out a box of cereal called Together with Pride cereal. Now it is an exclusive limited time offer in which the brand's most famous mascots all are put on the front of this box promoting the abomination of homosexuality. I noticed this in the news. Now, it features a berry-flavored rainbow hearts dusted with edible glitter. You know what is, is just terrible about this and is really super offensive to me is they have taken the rainbow, a symbol that God has provided to the world, and have turned it into something that no one wants to have anything to do with, the rainbow. They've made it into something that's sickening, that is a symbol of God. Now, it was used to be only available online, this product. But now it's right in the store, right on the shelves, where our children can become corrupted. Now, let me explain what's on this box. This box has all of our children's favorite cartoon mascots on the front of it Tony the Tiger, Toucan Sam, Snap, Crackle, and Pop, and all of the other ones. Right on the front. Of See, he used to be ashamed of things like that. The homosexual used to be ashamed for people to know that he was a homosexual. The adulterer used to be ashamed for people to know that he was an adulterer. The drunkard used to be ashamed for people to know that he was a drunkard, at least for decent folks to know that they were that. Now the problem isn't new. It's the same problem that's been around since problems have been around. Notice what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 6, verse 15, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Now as I considered those things, I saw the importance in being able to identify that which is good and that which is evil. It's important to be able to see the good and to be able to see the bad. Not only is it important to be able to see good and bad, it's to be able to determine what is good and what is evil. To be able to look at something and say, well, that's wicked. That's an abomination to God. And this is good. This is something in which we want to be a part. And this is something we want to avoid. The title of the sermon this morning is Knowing the Difference Between Good and Evil. You see, during the time of Jeremiah, Israel had lost its way. Israel couldn't determine the difference between good and evil. They would participate in something and they couldn't even be ashamed of it anymore. Kind of reminds me of the culture of the world today. You go to Europe... They're not ashamed of anything. You come to the United States, we're not ashamed of anything. The more of the wicked, the better. The more of the evil, the better. The more of the sickening, the better. The more of the way to the left, the better. Now that's not everyone, and I don't think that a majority of our people in this country are that way. I really don't. But I think the news media is that way. I think the powers that be are that way. But I don't think the common folks are that way. Or at least I don't think we are right now. I just think that we're too busy working, taking care of our families, and we don't have time to go sit in at Wall Street. We don't have time to go protest and burn a city down. We don't have time for that stuff, right? We're too busy working and being productive citizens and trying to do what's right in the world. But here is the problem. We become jaded. We get used to seeing things, and we just become hardened to it, and we don't pay attention, but we need to pay attention. We need to allow those things to continually bother us. We need to be bothered by it. We need to be bothered by the sinfulness of the world. We need to be bothered by it. We don't like to talk about it, but every once in a while we need to talk about it. We need to allow it to be in front of us, and we need to be able to dissect it from time to time and be reminded that it makes God angry and it ought to make us angry. I think that's good for us. And we have to look at it and we have to understand what God hates and we got to, we have to hate what God hates, right? But before we can do that, we have to be able to recognize the difference. But there is a tendency in the world even among Christians, to want to avoid things that are negative. I understand that. I don't like to talk about negative things. I don't like to have negative things in my life. We want to talk about the fun things, the positive things. Everyone wants to talk about how God loves us and the grace of God and Him wanting to do good things for us. But we have to understand that if we do not do the things God asks us to do, there's a negative side to God, right? Right? We have to understand the goodness and the severity of God. On those who do His will, goodness. On those who disobey Him, severity. Right? In other words, we have to recognize the goodness and the evil so we can reap God's graciousness or else we will reap God's severity. You know, we don't like bad news. And that's understandable. But there are times we have to address it. We have to be able to look at it. We have to accept it. Because our very lives may depend on it. For example, we talked about this in Bible class a little bit. What if we go to the doctor? And the doctor says, you've got this wrong with you. You've got something inside your body. And we need to take it out. But you know, surgery is so negative, I don't really want to do it. So here's what we're going to do. We're not going to do the surgery. Because it's so negative. I don't like negative. You don't like negative. So we're going to ignore it. And we're going to see if that thing inside your body decides not to be cancer anymore. And we're going to let it go. What would we do? We would say, hey doc, thanks for your time. I'm going to go find a doctor that's got some better sense than you. That knows what they're doing. And I'm going to get this cancer taken care of so I can live a life. That's a good life. Right? That's exactly what we'd do. Then we'd go find a doctor that probably actually been to medical school, that knew what he was doing, that would do the operation, because nobody wants that operation, but it's what's needed. He would operate on us. He'd get rid of that. would do the necessary steps, and then we'd go on and live our lives. You have to address the negative sometimes. You have to recognize when something is negative, and you have to take care of it. And so God places some things before us that we don't like to talk about. See, Zach read some verses that mention some things that we don't want to talk about. But God put them before us for us to be able to recognize it, to say, okay, those are some things we want to stay away from. We don't want to have to dwell on them all the time, but we need to recognize that that's in the world, and we need to stay away from it. The same is true with the spiritual body, right? Both individually and collectively. And so from time to time we have to look at it. There are people in the world walking around with spiritually terminal diseases because they refuse to look at the negative, right? Spiritual disease has to be addressed so people can live positive lives for God. We have to look at ourselves and say, I've got to get rid of this or I've got to get rid of that. And once they do that, Then they can grow. It's like pruning a tree or a bush, right? You prune the dead things off and then you can grow and bloom and and do good things for God. You see, Solomon is teaching us some things here. You have to deal with an illness. That's negative. But then the positive comes through. The book of Proverbs contains a moral and ethical instruction regarding life. The book of Proverbs is full of wonderful, wonderful instruction. It addresses a variety of subjects. And the instruction is just as applicable today as in the day that Solomon wrote it. So let's spend a little time on it. Part of biblical instruction is the process of being able to identify the negative, though it's not enjoyable, But we have to know what we are seeing when we see it, right? We have to be able to recognize something. And that's what Solomon does. With that in mind, let us listen to the instruction of King Solomon as he teaches us how to recognize the difference between the good and the evil. We have to be able to do that. What to do when we discover it? First, Solomon gives a description of that which is evil. Let's notice the description. He described a corrupt individual. Now, the King James Version uses the the word naughty. We don't use that word much anymore. The New King James uses the word worthless. Okay? Now, the words naughty and worthless are translated from the Hebrew word that we get this word called belial. Belial. It means without profit, worthlessness, by extension, destruction, wickedness, often in uh, in connection with Belial. Now, that's a word that's connected with a false god. The god Belial. Evil, naughty, ungodly, in association with men who are wicked. Now, God considers the characteristics described in Proverbs 6 as characteristics that are worthless. There's no nothing worthy in those characteristics, right? That man who has those Characteristics is someone who is perverse and corrupt, meaning he has turned away from God. Right? He's turned away from from what is right. He's turned away from God. He has become opposed to God and those who stand for God. Now, I just gave some examples a few moments ago. For instance, Kellogg's cereal. Who would have thought? 40 years ago, that that would happen. Kellogg's cereal, Tony the Tiger, Frosted Flakes. I mean, come on. Who would have ever thought they would be pushing this homosexual militant agenda? Nobody would have thought that. Now, you stand up against that, and now what's going to happen? You will be attacked and attacked and attacked. Not only are they opposing God, they're opposing those who stand with God. Well, that's just part of it. Brethren, you still have to stand for God. Right? But those people who oppose God are naughty. That's what the King James Version calls them. They're naughty. And you know what? The New King James says worthless. Worthless. In a, meaning they're wicked. They're evil. Right? That's what that word means. Associated with that idol God, Belial. Okay. He is a man who does a lot of speaking on his own behalf, but does so wrongly into people who are not aware of his particular circumstances. Solomon described him in conjunction with the slothful earlier in the chapter. The person who has nothing better to do than to speak evil of other people. Now, we have you noticed that? You notice that in the media? You notice that in uh people who are promoting these ungodly lifestyles. A person who stands up against those things, now all of a sudden they're backwards, they're superstitious, they're ignorant, they believe in a myth, it's pie in the sky, it's all of this kind of stuff. Now they're attacking the person. Anyone who's ever taken a logic course understands what that is. Now instead of looking at the argument, you attack the person Instead of the argument, because they can't, they don't have a defense, right? They don't have a defense. So let's attack the messenger. That's what that's all about. Now, Paul spoke uh, about those same characteristics in his letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 5.13. He described those kinds of people as wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Now, that doesn't just mean someone who's uh, uh, unemployed doing that, but people who just are uh, tailbearers and talking about people, right? Constantly spreading things to try to cause an uproar and a problem. Now, in his warning, Solomon moved from the wicked man's corrupt description to his cunning. Look, these people are sharp. They're smart. And when we see these ungodly movements in the world, we see they go about it in a smart way, right? As far as the world is concerned, they go about it in a smart way. He is the man, it says, who winks with his eyes, shuffles his feet, and points with his fingers. You see, those are gestures of malice. Desires uh, desires to cause pain and intent to do wrong. Have you ever watched someone... Uh, talk to someone else and wink at them when they're talking to another person. Now listen, we do that in a joking way. But people do that with intent to harm also, right? Now that's what Solomon's talking about. It's all right to do that if you're joking with your friends and doing that. But Solomon's talking about it with intent to do harm. I've noticed people do that before who have an intent to do harm, not in a joking way, right? I've done it in a joking way. I mean, it's okay if you're doing it amongst friends and you're you're having fun and things like that. But Solomon's talking about doing it with the intent to cause harm. Brother Cage used to tell us, teaching with your fingers. Uh it's what the King James says. He says, You you see that all the time in Memphis. He used to tell us you get behind someone driving down Germantown Parkway and they'll teach you something with their fingers. Right? They'll they'll uh Flash you a a symbol with their fingers. You know, they'll say a forward mouth, they use profanity, things like that, right? But that's illustrating that what they're saying isn't true. You know, they'll wink, they'll say something and wink to their buddy, you know, when they're intending to do harm. That's often, again, that can be done in a harmless way but often it's done to another's destruction. Now, this person is elevating himself by harming other folks. Now, we saw that first happen in the garden, didn't we? Genesis chapter 3. Satan told Eve, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden? I can just see him winking like a wicked man does. Didn't God say you could eat of every tree? Knowing good and well what God said and what He meant. Yeah, He said... We could eat of every tree, except the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Oh, now, wait a minute. Let me explain to you why God told you that. Well, I don't need you to explain to me anything, right? I know what God said. God was very clear. But she fell for it. Adam fell for it, right? That's the kind of cunning that these types of people used. Satan convinced them to benefit himself. And that's what people do. They do it to benefit themselves financially. And we see that in Judas, right? Satan convinced Judas to betray Jesus and he benefited financially. He plotted. In fact, you recall what Judas did. He left the Passover feast early so he could go plot John thirteen, twenty-five through 30. Now, this wicked man described in Proverbs 6 is the same person Judas became. Right? And now, there are people who continue to fall for those same promises of personal gain while claiming to be Christ. But we shouldn't be surprised. We recall what Paul said. 2 Corinthians 11, 14, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Let's not be surprised that his followers can convince us that that they're not who they claim to be because Satan himself has transformed himself into an angel of light or appears to be an angel of light. So don't be shocked when someone else appears to be something they're not. They'll lie to you. They'll present themselves as, someone who they're not, that's exactly who Solomon's speaking of. So when we look at the media today or corporations today, like Kellogg's or Coke or any other organization who is pandering to these very uh, minority uh, people, less than 1% of the uh, population uh, who, who are homosexual, but they have big mouths and they want to make it appear that most of the nation supports that lifestyle, and they want to pander to those groups. See, they want to appear to be just your everyday, wholesome con- uh, uh, company. They're not. But they've transformed themselves to appear to be that way, right? Well, let's not be surprised. Because that's what Satan does. Satan's good at it. He's good at what he does. See, we have to address the negatives of life, though, so we can recognize the difference between good and evil. Just like we mentioned earlier, putting cartoon characters on a box of cereal, promoting homosexuality. Who are they targeting, brethren? Our children. They're targeting our children. That is one of the devices that they use. That's a device. That's our second point. Let's notice some of these devices that Satan uses. Solomon described these devices as being seen in the heart. After all, the seed and planning to do evil begins in the heart, right? Solomon said that a person who chooses evil over good devises mischief, meaning he looks to discredit those who rebuke him. And he makes himself look good through deceit and ungodliness. God calls those people, uh, calls those things wicked imaginations. They have wicked imaginations. They're just looking around uh, for a new way to do something evil and wicked. Look, they can look around for something new, but there's nothing new under the sun. They're not going to find a new way to do it. Now, there may be a new way as far as being able to present it in a different way. They didn't have boxes of cereal that I'm aware of during the days of the flood. But I don't think we've reached that level of sinfulness yet. I don't know how long it will be before we get there. But I don't think we're there yet. But people who have wicked imaginations, they're always looking for a new way to be sinful, right? Right? How can I do it differently? How can I do it better in their minds? But Solomon said a person who chooses evil over good, they're looking to discredit those who rebuke them. They don't like that. It's just like these uh, 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 these movements that we have in this country and around the world. When we stand up against them, they want to discredit these backwards, ignorant people who stand up for God. They're looking to discredit them. They want to call us a hate group or... or or whatever the case may be. Look, we're not hateful. We just disagree with sin, right? We disagree with the abomination of homosexuality. We disagree with with murder and things of, of that nature. Discord is sown through the devices of mischief and deceit. Have you ever heard someone say, you know, I just feel like I need to warn you? Now, brethren, that'll be a red flag. That ought to be a red flag. In that situation, we ought to ask a few questions. Have you spoken to that individual about that particular situation? Why are you telling me? How does that benefit me, right? We ought to ask that. We ought to ask ourselves, is my opinion of that targeted person made worse or better? Is my personal interaction with that person, anything remotely resembling what this bit of information is telling me. If not, that person ought to be rebuked. That's how Paul handled it, right? We recall Galatians 2 verse 11, that he rebuked Peter to his face because he was to be blamed. That's how Paul handled it. Solomon called that device a lying tongue and a proud look. Now, God indicates that those who incorporate that type of device, that they are so arrogant, they believe they can get away with that. Now, they might get away with it in this world. People get away with things in this world, right? God knows. God knows the truth, and He knows who spoke the lie, and those who allowed allowed it to happen and who allowed it to continue. We have to study the negative so we can identify it. Satan's devices originate in the heart, but they're carried out in the hands, right? Now, our passage in Proverbs uses what is known as the X in the X plus one format. Now, that's that's a literary device, and... When we look at our list, it's not an exhaustive list that begins in verse 16, but rather it places an emphasis on the plus one item, okay? In this case, it's number seven. The six things the Lord hates, yea, seven, are an abomination, right? This is a form of Hebrew poetry, and it's known as rhetorical parallelism rhetorical parallelism the first six all of them can be in the can be seen in the seventh okay all of the first six can be seen in the seventh hands that shed innocent blood feet swift and running to mischief and all of the others now listen if you recall a few years ago in africa there was this like this celebrity lion and it accidentally was killed on a safari i think this lion's name was cecil There was such an uproar. All the celebrities and the environmentalists, man, they threw a fit. Look, you know, that may be the the thing to... That might have been the right reaction. I don't know. I don't have an opinion one way or the other. What about five years ago? You remember about five years ago up in the Cincinnati Zoo, this little four-year-old boy fell over into the gorilla enclosure. The the, What was it? The lowland... uh, uh, western lowland gorilla was in there. And this little boy fell over into that enclosure. And the gorilla, I think uh, his name was Hammurabi or something like that, the gorilla went over and grabbed the little boy and started dragging him around in the pool. And they were hollering at the gorilla trying to get his attention, so he dropped the little boy. Well, he started getting really aggressive with the little boy. So the only thing left to do was terminate the gorilla. And so they did to save the little boy's life. It was a gorilla. Look, I'm sorry for the gorilla. I hate it that they had to kill the gorilla. But it was a four-year-old little boy. Now, should the parents have been watching that baby? Absolutely they should have been watching him better. But if that had been my kid, I'd have probably gone over and tried to kill the gorilla. Right? I mean, that's your kid. There was an uproar like you you all remember it. They want they signed a petition, they wanted the parents to, to be in prison for the rest of their lives. It, you would have thought that they had murdered somebody. Now listen to this foolishness. Someone found a Cheetos in a bag that looked like this gorilla. They sold it on online for hundred thousand dollars. Can you believe that? Where has reason gone in this nation? They started making the ugly sweaters, you know, the ugly sweater around Christmas thing with uh, this gorilla with a Santa hat on, said this, whatever his name is, loved Christmas. It's a gorilla. He didn't love nothing but whatever he, bananas. You know what I mean? But now these same environmentalists, these same celebrities... The same foolish people and that same idiot that paid $100,000 for this Cheeto never said a word when over 62 million babies since 1973 have been murdered from abortion. Over 60, almost 63 million from 1973 to January of this year. They have not said one word. But now they're upset over a line, a goofy line, and a gorilla that was about to kill a four-year-old baby. Creation has gotten off track, brethren. They cannot tell the difference between good and evil. They cannot even blush. Somewhere along the line, something has happened. Instead of condemning sin, the world celebrates the right to kill someone as long as that thing is not outside the womb. But now it's gotten to the point, if you want to kill yourself because you're in, in pain, that's okay too. Look, I get it. No one wants to live in pain, but life is precious. God said it was. God says it's precious. We need to recognize that. God teaches us to recognize the difference between good and evil. We need to recognize conceit and a haughty haughty look, lying which perverts the truth, the murder of the innocent, a wicked heart that plans evil, a person who is ingenious at devising ways to sin, a lying false witness and one who instigates strife within the brotherhood all of which Paul described as works of the flesh. So what's the applicable message from God? Don't sow discord among the brethren. All of that can be seen within that last one. We need to recognize the bad things because if it's evil, it will cause division among God's people. Don't stand with what's wrong. Stand up against it. Do not have fellowship with the works of darkness. Rather rebuke them, Paul said. Solomon gave a description of the evil. And in his description, he talked about the devices employed. Then he described the destruction that follows of choosing evil over good. That's our third and our final point. Very quickly, as we end, description can come in many forms. There is a type of destru- destruction that happens in the present. Okay? Solomon warned, therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. There will be a, One will find himself in a position where there is no way out. In his third letter, John described how he was going to deal with a man called Diotrephes. He was going to go deal with him. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid of Diotrephes. He was not intimidated with Diotrephes. He was going to go address Diotrephes for sowing discord among the brethren. Notice what he said in Verse 10. He was going to call to mind the deeds which He does, prating against us with malicious words. Sometimes the present destruction is being found to be something other than what we say we are. That might be the present destruction, being found out, right? Instead of being the faithful Christian one may find himself to be, he is something completely different. And because of that, he may lose the fellowship that he enjoys with the brethren until he repents, right? That's the whole idea, but we can do that. We have that second law of pardon. When the Christian decides to come back through repentance and prayer, we don't have to go through the plan of salvation again, repentance and prayer, asking God to forgive us, and the church, when we step outside the light, then God will take us back. Worse than the present destruction When we choose evil over good, there is a planned eternal destruction. If we leave this world without having returned to God, there is a planned destruction. In the Revelation, John said this, Revelation 22, beginning with verse 14, Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without, outside the city are dogs, and sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. God does not want us to avoid the negatives in life. He doesn't want us to participate in them, but He wants us to understand what they are. So we can avoid participating in them. We need to be able to identify and stay away, right? If we can do that, we can gain heaven. We don't want to dwell on the negatives, but we need to know what they are. That was one of the purposes of Solomon recording this proverb. And he wants us to recognize that. How can we make the proper application of those things in our lives today? Well, we must be personally responsible and diligently guarding against the temptations that Satan places before us. We must be open to correction and guidance because we're all going to stand before God one day to give an answer, Romans fourteen twelve. We have to pray for those who have chosen evil over good whether it's our leaders in, uh, of our nation or whether it's those that we personally know. Perhaps most importantly, when we sin and follow the path away from God, it's necessary for us to repent and come back to Him, Acts 3.19. We're also commanded to judge the spirits, right? Uh, now, what John's talking about First 1 John 4.1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits or judge the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. He's talking about people. Okay, he's talking about people when he says, judge the spirits. Determine whether someone's telling you the truth or not. How do we do that? Well, if I make a statement, I need to be able to back it up, right? According to what the Bible says. That's how you judge the spirits. If I say, this is what God says, I need to be able to point to it. That's how you judge the spirits. Now, if we recognize the difference between good and evil, we'll be able to determine our own sin, right? And that's important. That's what we need to do. And we'll be able to determine and recognize what good is. We all remember the definition of sin first, or good and love, First Corinthians chapter thirteen. That needs to be seen in all of us. If you need to answer the Lord's invitation this day whether it's on initial obedience of faith and repentance, confession, immersion in water, faithful living, or you need to come back through repentance and prayer. Let that be known as we stand and as we sing.